We go inward in order to go outward. We have been systematically trained all our lives to sever ourselves from our own wisdom, from our bodies, and from our intuition and discernment. I'm Karen Hibner. I'm a spiritual director and podcast producer. I help women and folks of other oppressed identities heal from internalized oppression and trauma and go public with their wild and wonderful contribution to this world so that we can all heal together. Through spiritual direction, we can realign with our intuition or inner knowing and tap into the self-trust necessary to move confidently through this life. This is how we heal. After we realign with ourselves and the wisdom that is inherently in us, we go public so other folks can experience healing too. In this space, we'll explore all the different topics that come up in moving toward your most authentic self as well as deconstruction and rebuilding beliefs and how we grow in self-trust, self-confidence, and realign with our own inner wisdom so that we can go public and bring that wisdom to the world. Welcome to this wild and wonderful journey with me. I'm thrilled for you to heal and go public. Hey friends, thanks for being here. I'm thrilled to be with you in this space. Thanks for your patience with the transition and regularity of when this podcast releases. I'm a flowy, water-based flesh person that shifts and transforms and whose life ebbs and flows continually, probably just like you. I'm doing as I can and not as I can't, and still promising to show up in this space. I will tell you, I have a number of incredible interviews in the hopper, but as a podcast editor for others, I've been prioritizing other shows, but rest assured, there are a number of incredible interviews just waiting to go through your ears. So please keep checking in with this space. Today, I have a wonderful interview for us with my friend, colleague, and fellow creative, Megan February. Megan and I get into a lot of things as creatives ourselves and folks that facilitate space for others to connect with their more true, more connected, more repaired selves. We talk about wearing multiple hats as creatives, rewriting the narratives of who and how we are and how we have to work or produce as creatives, what trauma-informed care actually is, healing our stories by hearing others' stories, aka fighting isolation, and how we're all in a constant state of uncovering. And we also have some shares around what it looks like for us personally to do all of this work. Megan will tell you more about who and how she is and what she works on in her days, but here's a bio for you. Megan February is an author, trauma-informed book coach, and leading expert in creative recovery. Her teachings on the body as a storyteller has been a support for hundreds at story workshops and healing retreats. As the founder of the global storytelling brand for women who roar, and as the creator of the book year writing program, Megan has guided thousands of women through the process of writing and healing their stories. At a young age, she came to writing and creativity to heal her own trauma and has dedicated her life's work to helping others do the same. Over the years, she has been called a master guide for all things writing and creativity. 
Praised even by the queen of creativity herself, Julia Cameron, author of The Artist's Way, who called her work, quote, powerful and far-seeing, quote. She is currently residing in the Pacific Northwest and writing her next book. Please enjoy this little journey with Megan and I today. All right, Megan, thank you so much for being here with us today. I am just thrilled for this conversation as two highly creative folks wondering at what that looks like to be and embody in this world and also passionate about helping folks also embrace kind of who they are in these like deeper, more like big, big capital S self ways, right? And access Mm. healing for themselves. So I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for being here. And Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and the work that you do? Yep, totally. (laughs) This question is always so big, right? I'm tempted to pull the Jennifer Coolidge. (laughs) It's the big meme that's coming around from White Lotus. And she was like, I was born in San Francisco. (laughs) And the guy was like, oh, we're going way back. Yeah. Um, No, (laughs) I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Who am I? I I guess in summary, I I have to say what is true, the truest version of me, which is that I am a writer and an artist. I'm a creative at my core, and I am a guide. I am a guide for those on the path to discovering who they are, to discovering their voice and their story. So I'd say at the foundational level, at the origin level, that's who I am, who I've always been kind of been fleshed out in a number of different avenues and and journeys but that is that is the most resonant way and you know I can go into each one of those and how it's how it's taken shape but yeah at a definition uh, that's Mm -hmm. that's who I am Mm. That's also another reason why I love being friends with you and being in communication with you is also that you wear so many hats. Mm. I love finding other people that wear so many hats and are becoming their more integrated, fully multitudinous selves, right? And in a public way and in a private way and all of those things. So I just really admire you for that. But can you (laughs) give us a little bit of a breakdown just to conquer? concretize just to like pull us down concretely into some things we can latch onto. How do you help folks or what are your offerings for folks? Mm. Well, first off, I want to acknowledge the million hats because I just think it's so funny and so true. And anyone that is a multitasker, that's a manifesting generator, all these kind of things, they know these hats very well. And they are constantly juggling. They got a fedora over here. They got a cowboy hat. They got a little like top hat. I have all the hats. And actually somebody asked me the other day, they're like, Megan, they like DM'd me. Megan, how do you do like all the things? And I never know how to answer it because it actually feels pretty easy. It just feels really natural. And actually the most difficult part of my personality is when I don't embrace a lot of different avenues mm-hmm. of who I am. So Just as a note, because when you ask, like, who are you? Like, what do you do? How do you help people? It's in a lot of different ways. But I'd say it comes down in the truest form. It comes down to editing and book coaching these days. That's primarily my work. I have a business called Book Year. And it's where I help folks outline their books, clarify what that book is with all different types of genres. I work with a lot of folks writing memoir because I think it's my background as a trauma-informed guide to help them um, uncover their story and heal through the process. But I also work with people writing poetry, 
novels about everything from, you know, magical realism to like sci-fi horror, like it's all over the board. So helping people write their books and I do the editing along as they go, which is really powerful. So it's offering them like feedback and support accountability to help them complete that draft within a certain amount of time based off, you know, what feels good for them and what feels true. Mm. And right. So it's a deep honor. So I do that one-on-one, but I also do it in group settings as well for workshops that I have going in tandem, but I do a number of other things too. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I do human design readings, of course, for creatives and writers. I do creative coaching in general for those who need as well. And I'm a writer. I mean, that's primarily my work too, being on a memoir. I have a number of other projects in tandem that I'm constantly doing. So yeah, my work is full. It's full, but it's always coming back to, to the basic questions of what is voice and how do we how do we share it with the world? How do we share it with ourselves? How do we embrace the process of, you know, who we're becoming? And that's I, one of, that's one of the aspects and avenues of my work that I keep, keep, keep returning to, which mm-hmm. is the heartbeat, which is embracing the process rather than mm-hmm. the outcome, which can be hard for folks sometimes when they're signing on for book writing gigs. And I'm all about that. I want them to finish the project a hundred percent, but more than anything, I want them to uncover themselves heal the creative woundings and repair through the process of showing up to their words and trusting that when the resistance comes through, that their resilience is stronger. Right. Mm. So um, that's my favorite, favorite part. So anytime a client comes to me and they're like, Oh man, I'm just like, I'm so resistant. I'm so blocked. Mm. I'm so, so scared. I get, I just literally start smiling and I'm happy mm-hmm. because I know they're onto something really important. Mm-hmm. So that's my favorite, favorite part. And of course, mm-hmm. holding the books in my hands, like when they finish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just very uh, Yes. Yeah. Wow. And there are so many things that I would love to jump off in, like mm-hmm. so many aspects of what you just said. Mm-hmm. And I want to one, acknowledge like when you were talking about the multiple hats still and like the integratedness and that there's a piece of like, if you don't do all of the things, then you're not experiencing like Mm -hmm. life. Like you're not like experiencing that fulfillment. You're not feeling like you, Mm -hmm. but also to say that like finding that out, I'm sure has been a process and a journey because I feel like there's so much conditioning that works against that as far as like focus on one thing, do your one thing that you're super passionate about, like all of that stuff, right? And it can really shut down so many creatives that are like idea machines or production machines, you know, like that go in a lot of different directions. So just to acknowledge that I know that there's so much personal work that you've done Mm -hmm. to be able to say like, I am not alive when I'm not allowing myself to flow through all of these different like categories, right. Or these parts of yourself and bringing them to the table. Right. So just, just to acknowledge how you've had to kind of like say F you to the patriarchy and white supremacy culture and all of that in, in embracing those things that are true about you and allowing them to like live in that space. It's been like really probably one of the more transformational aspects of, of my journey is embracing that I do have all these different, well, I mean, oh gosh, that could go into a whole thing, but Mm -hmm. I have all these different parts (laughs) of me, right? All these different ways that I exist in the world and growing up. I mean, one of the common mantras I heard from, like, I remember my grandparents and my parents at certain points being like, Megan, like, why can't you just focus on one thing? Like, Mm -hmm. why can't you just be serious? Like, you know, and 
just, you know, stick to it. That's Mm -hmm. always what I heard. And I remember feeling such deep shame around that because it just felt so impossible. And even to this day, it still doesn't, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't resonate with that. I can't, I have to lean into my pulse, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and where that's guided me. Thankfully, we can do lots of different things. We can embrace all that within the commonality of what you love. And so thankfully Mm -hmm. I have realized that all of that is within the working of creative, creative repair. Right. Mm -hmm. So as long as it's within that, I can know, okay, I can do 10 different things. I can run a magazine. I can do editing. I can write my own books. I can create an art. I don't know, picture book. I can do million things and it doesn't, it doesn't mean that I'm flaky or whatever. It means that I am, yeah, I wear a lot of hats and that's mm-hmm. who I am, but it was a, it was a big, a lot of repair I had to do. And, you know, we've talked about this too, but being part of like that conservative Christian culture too, I don't think that helped. Mm-hmm. But it was very linear, right? Um, task A to Z mm-hmm. and uh, I just never fit, but I, damn, I tried like mm-hmm. so hard and mm-hmm. I did really good. I passed all the tests, you know, mm-hmm. the appropriate little test to to look a certain way but inside mm-hmm. it was just devastating about how I just didn't quite fit and feel fully me so. mm. wow yes mm-hmm. and that's I want to acknowledge too like as I ask you questions that I I at least I feel this way in recognizing within your work also is that you're on a personal journey at the same time that you're inviting others into this journey with you. Right. So if you ever, if you want to answer from a personal lens or from a work lens, like whatever, for whatever feels right and comes up, but yes, to touch on that, I wrote a note of when you were talking earlier also with so many of folks that I sit with have experienced religious trauma or spiritual abuse Mm -hmm. and are also because of the folks that I attract and what comes, what comes into my world are very creative folks as well. Mm -hmm. They're writers, they're artists, they're, you know, they're business owners that are creative business owners. They're creating things in this world that have not existed before. Mm -hmm. And so many of the folks that I work with are also, I I love that you use trauma-informed language. And then because when you mentioned being frozen, so, so, so many of these folks are frozen because of the, some of the religious trauma and spiritual abuse that they have encountered and therefore the narratives, the negative narratives that they have around themselves and creating. Mm-hmm. And so just to say, I like, I see you and like, I like know you a little bit in that experience of how these narratives can be present and also so incredible to see someone like, I think we've talked about this, but like, I'm just learning. I just love talking to so many folks that are helping people heal and from way Mm -hmm. different access points. So through doing the coaching and editing work that you do, having a different access point for folks to be able to access healing than like the spiritual direction access point, but that yours is also so deeply ingrained in the creative process, which like, I am so, so, so passionate about this idea that being in even accessing and then being in a creative process is what allows us access to healing. And you mentioned the words creative repair. So you may want to give us more around that. Mm. And then in my human design reading that you did for me, you also use the word creative survival. And I'm wondering Mm. if those are distinctions that you use, but you might have to clarify for me, but can you tell me a little bit about just how you see healing the creative process 
trauma-informed, like how are these all kind of connected together in, in your journey or in the journeys that you're inviting folks into with you? I think it would be important to talk about what is, what does it mean to be trauma-informed, right? And I mean, that, that can be a big conversation, but I'll talk about it through the lens of writing. But you could also think about this with any creative work that you're pursuing. So a lot of the categories of, you know, trauma-informed work is really empowerment, agency, choice, consensuality, embodiment, right? So like breaking those down and looking at your creative process, looking at your book creating experience of, you know, how do you bring that trauma-informed lens into your own work. And I remind my clients of this all the time because it's really, really easy to get lost in, you know, hustle culture and this idea of what I'm producing for, you know, what I should be doing and, you know, noticing the language that comes out in the writing and in the process we're in. So for instance, if someone's talking to me and they say, Megan, I'm feeling really stuck. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling really stuck. Or yeah, I'm feeling really frozen. I don't know what else to say. I feel just like, yeah, just frozen here. Or I feel, I feel like I'm not, not connected, right? I'm feeling disconnected as I'm writing this. So all of these words are very powerful visceral words that if you were sitting with a, a somatic uh, guide, a therapist, um, uh, you know, trauma-informed worker, hopefully they would highlight these to help you see what, what maybe is going on here. And so when a client's, working with me and they start, you know, saying these words or even start showing up within my own self. I wonder what's the story, what is bringing up these old familiar trauma narratives, these trauma feelings that might be rising up as I'm, as I'm working through this. And how do I hold space, give myself permission to care for myself? For instance, if I'm writing a story or my memoir and I'm, I run into that, I'm feeling stuck or my clients, I'm feeling stuck. Then I would invite us to dig into what it is about that story or those words that might be bringing up that stuck place. And how can we give ourselves permission to safely expand? Mm. What does it mean to breathe into the story, to touch the body, to be here, to -hmm. place your hands on your chest or anywhere that feels really comfortable and to hold, you know, what maybe feels disconnected or uncontained. So Mm -hmm. a lot of this work in our creative work and our writing process is about paying attention and knowing that you have choice. So also too, when a client comes in, they're like, man, I'm just really feeling overwhelmed by writing this right now. I'm feeling Mm -hmm. like I'm triggered and I'm falling back. Mm -hmm. Should I just push through again? Wow. I'm always like, so, so that language is so scary to me because I'm like, no, I don't think so. (laughs) Um, What does it feel like to uh, give yourself permission to, what feels safe for you right now? Does it feel mm-hmm. safe to do that? Or does it feel safe to to take some time to breathe and give yourself a pacing that feels comfortable for you beyond deadlines or whatever um, mm-hmm. that allows you to feel safe with the story? Because the more we do that, the more we create safe spaces, consensuality in our creative process, this, mm-hmm. I have choice to say, yes, I want to do this or no, I don't, or I have, I can slow down here. I don't have to hustle through. Mm-hmm. When we do that, and we practice that again and again and again, then we are learning to be compassionate with our story. We're learning to repair, and we can talk about that, repair the places Mm -hmm. that have been ruptured. 
And I want to say like the language of rupture and repair is a really classic, like clinical language Mm. It's used a lot within, you know, trauma wounding that happens Mm. usually relationally. So when there's a rupture, it's literally like something breaks. Right. And so Mm. the reparation is how do we, whether it's through a relational dynamic or something else that allows us to create a new kind of binding, a new kind of attachment that's Mm. caring. And so I, I believe that can come through our creative work too where there's been creative wounding where maybe that, that idea, like maybe there was messaging, like you're not really an artist or you're not really a writer, or why can't you stick to one thing? And it just created this rupture, rupture, rupture. Mm-hmm. Right. So the same thing is in our work, creating repair mm-hmm. through kindness, through compassion, through consensuality, through uh, choice, through empowerment, through embodiment, mm-hmm. all these keywords to begin. Yeah. A, a safe binding um, mm-hmm. back to that healing process with our voice. So yeah. Mm. Yes. Incredible. And that's something I love just your wealth of knowledge there. I feel like I'm learning personally over the last handful of years, just that how much safety is required for me to experience connection with myself and how much connection with myself then has to be present in order to create Mm -hmm. just like how much vulnerability and like that there has to be these practices of safety and comfort in place. Mm -hmm with just, yes. And just, and just to give like a personal caveat of like really ending in 2015 had an experience of a lot of silencing of going to seminary as a woman and all of that. And so a lot of losing my voice and then in, so a lot of reminders of things that I've received, like reinforcement of these narratives or these ruptures, right. Mm -hmm. Mm. That was really shutting the and and combined with like a loss of a dark room and like all of these things, right, that were my tools through art school that kept me like in the practice and through the practice and this upheaval of identity and shifting to graduate school. So there was this like perfect storm there that I wasn't creating photographic work and Mm. then come was like trying to heal, trying to work through that. And then in 2019, experienced more rupture of um, like some. Uh, and in, I, I won't share details, but like just an incident that really, really reinforced mm-hmm. all of those, all of that messaging and that silencing of voice, right? Which is really, really intense for women and folks of other oppressed identities also to experience that silencing. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning just like instead of the, like I, I experienced so many folks that are in that stuck in within those still, those same voices and those same systems that say, why aren't you making mm-hmm. like they, they give themselves pep talks and they're like, okay, tomorrow we're going to get up, we're going to create. And then it's just this pattern where they're not able to access it. And then it becomes this reinforced thing because they're only operating out of these narratives of I'm either doing the thing or I'm bad, you know, Mm -hmm. or something like that, that all these narratives that are connected to that from cultural voices, religious trauma, you know, like those kinds of spaces and really using like polyvagal theory and like all of that to really flip it all on its head and be like, oh my gosh, I had a session with somebody the other day. You're not getting up and writing because you are not safe enough to write. Like you are not safe enough, like, and you are taking the steps like to create the space and all of that, but doing the deeper work so that we are safe enough with ourselves to do the things that we want to do too. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And it's so powerful. And I know, I know that you have a background in psychology also. And so all of that probably comes to your work as well, but I'm just so, I just so admire the work that you do as far as helping folks find their, their creative process, probably particular to the season they're in, Mm. what works for them and helps them actually start pursuing like what they desire to put out into the world. Mm Mm, yes it's so important and thank you so much for sharing more of your journey too because I think like the what I call witnessing like the work of witnessing like another's experience is also how we end up breaking through because we feel less isolated in our own Mm. in our own journeys yeah I think that's some of the the part that ends up being such a bummer you know like when we're in Mm. we're like can't finish this book or we can't finish this project we're feeling afraid to you know, move forward or put ourselves out there, right? Uh, if mm-hmm. it is complete, is because we feel like, I don't know, isolated and alone. And there's this beautiful book called Trauma and Recovery by Judith Herman. And she says that the primary work of trauma is really around connection. And that mm-hmm. the the places where so much of the the harm that comes through is in isol in is isn't the isolation of yes. the trauma. And so when we can witness in another a kind of mirror of an experience, I recognize this in you. I recognize this in me. We're kind of meeting that connection place, you know, which is so powerful. Um, so I'm all about creative communities and accountability, mm-hmm. having like an editor. I, I'm working with an editor right now for my own project. I've totally mm-hmm. put it off forever, but it's so powerful to be seen, to mm-hmm. have someone's experience of you in their corner. Mm-hmm. I think it's so key. Can you like write a book without somebody? Hell yeah, people do it all the time. You could mm-hmm. 100% can. But there is something very powerful about being seen as you're in the process of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that that's, uh, that serves as a breakthrough mm-hmm. for a lot of folks. Yeah, and also absolutely asking for the support and the help that you need and want. Acknowledging that everybody does everything differently, right? Like Mm -hmm. something that's come across my radar this year is like how much support I really need and desire in this season to get the things out into the world that I want Mm -hmm. to get out into the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And that there's no morality around any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a person that experiences very high anxiety, very negative narratives about self in my mind. So much so that sometimes in my in my hypoactivation or my hyperactivation, I am in a state of just utter confusion. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm doing or what I'm saying or what I'm going, you know, and having somebody in process with me to help me like really, I don't know, the midwife metaphor comes to mind too, but like to really get these things out into the world. Mm -hmm. I think my point just being that like, we have also been conditioned to moralize, like how much, how much we need or how much support we need or want. And that like, (laughs) with the rugged individualism that's rampant in culture in the United States also is that it's, we don't have to do this all on our own. And like having somebody support us doesn't invalidate the work that we've done or oh. doesn't like demean or create it, make it lesser, lesser of value or offering to folks. So <laughs> oh, absolutely. I started laughing when you talked about that, because I think it's a little bit of both. I think there's like this importance of the autonomy and the importance of being empowered to do your own work, but also have a safe community and that accountability. And I think about growing up in cultures of like, 
small groups and like constantly having like what you know these accountability points. I was gonna say you're gonna talk about accountability groups, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, I'm Amazing. like I was like I had the had the I'm trying to remember the language of all it now, like devotional buddies or like what you had quiet time, but you had like, all, all these groups that were literally there to like hold you accountable to this thing. And, you know, they did, they did, whether the thing was helpful or not. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to say around that, but it was, yeah, it was, um, it was an interesting space. So I think there is an interesting balance of finding the safe accountability, safe spaces to pursue, to dive into your voice, to uncover yourself. <laughs> but there's also this, you need people also that say you can do this too. Yes. Like outside of that, like you, and I, when I'm working with folks or the potential of working with someone, that is one of the things that I am always reminding them of like, you have, this is all you, especially when folks yes. are like, you, you, I couldn't have done this without you. I love, love. And I like love, it. I mean, yay, thank you so much. I'm so honored. But I also, I like throw back that mirror and was like, you say this to yourself, mm-hmm. like, this is all you. I'm a reflector. I'm here to, you know, shine the light when it gets a little dark and show you mm-hmm. the way I'm your guide. But this is all you, baby. Like, yes, you know, and so it's really important to remind. And I think, yeah, I think maybe with these these toxic uh, group settings, sometimes not all, not that they all are, have been, but when they are, it creates a kind of codependence that could be incredibly toxic. Mm -hmm. So encouraging that autonomy is really key. Yes. And there's so many, I have a couple of thoughts that are attached to in the same way to a couple of things that you said also, as far as bouncing off of the accountability groups, it's such a accountability is such a beautiful thing when it's done Mm -hmm. from a, non-manipulative, right? Like Mm non-manipulative, non-coercing space. And oftentimes so many of us that have experienced accountability groups in a religious setting, it's not in a safe way and it is coercive and Mm -hmm. it is this demanding of these really, it's, 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 it can be very traumatic for folks because it's this demanding of story and this demanding of like, like letting out your deepest, darkest, closest, things and then they're often used against people so Mm. it's really really tricky but then but like doing the healing work to recognize that accountability is incredibly beautiful Mm -hmm. and like just like for my podcast clients so I'm a podcast producer also and my clients a lot of them have hired me because they need somebody waiting on their files every week Mm -hmm. period like they just need somebody that's waiting on their files every week so that they get their recording done. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is like a very, very beautiful example of accountability. Like they just need someone waiting for them. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And then also, let me see if I can catch the, my my other thought back. But having someone, the the guru piece, like having somebody that's in your corner to support you, but is not trying to be a guru is not the conduit, you know, or like the Oracle or anything like that. Like that's something that's incredibly important to me in my practice as well. Like when you said the mirror and the reflection, that is exactly the work that I do. And what it made me think of is that yesterday, my daughter is three and she had a little friend over and they were jumping out of one of our, (laughs) this sounds dangerous. It's not, I promise. (laughs) They were jumping out of like one of our windowsills down into a couch (laughs) and they were taking turns doing it over and over again. And her little friend was 
this is a new space. This is not his house. And so was wanting to hold an adult's hand every time he jumped. And we kept just saying like, you've got this buddy, like you are 100% doing this on your own. And we will continue to hold your hand as long as you want that for comfort. So like, saying like you, like empowering the person of like you, these are all of your own findings. This is all your own process. This is all your own creation and allowing them to own it at the same time as saying like, I will hold your hand as long as that's what you need to feel safe Mm -hmm. to get into it. Right. Yes. I love that (laughs) so much. And it does sound, it did sound dangerous, but now it just (laughs) sounds fun. And I want to do this. Oh my gosh. They were so cute. It's a, like, it's a, small window, small couch. It was fine. They were safe. (laughs) I promise they were safe. I know. It sounds amazing. No, it makes me think of one of the ways I describe my work too, is that, uh, as a wilderness guide, but for Mm. the, for the, uh, creative process. Yeah. For the writing process is Mm. that I, I am there. I am guiding you through the woods. I'm here. I'm showing you the way you're scared. Mm. You're like, where is this going to go? I haven't done this journey before. Oh my gosh. I'm going to trip. How do I set up camp? And so through this work, I meet them where they are, whether they're completely new to the trail of writing. (laughs) I'm just going to really work this metaphor. Uh, Or if they're really advanced and say, okay, here's how you set up your outline. Here's how you can set up a schedule that suits your personality. Here's uh, some milestones that we can really go for, but they're walking it. I'm there, I'm showing up, but I also want them to have this experience for themselves. I don't want to hold their hand every step of the way. I can be there. I can do that. Mm. But I also want them to know, like, I did this thing, you know, Mm -hmm. like I did this and thank you for being here and, you know, being that guy, but you know, it's all them and Mm -hmm. um, it's really key. And you mentioned something earlier too. And I do think it's really important to mention. I used to judge myself for it. And I, I, sometimes I do fall back on this for myself, but I have to ask myself the truth, which is that I need to be in my process at the same time that I'm working with clients. And I really like to highlight it. I used to feel like, especially when I worked with coaches that were like, oh God, I have a lot of feelings, but worked with a lot of coaches that were (laughs) saying like, this is where you need to be. And this is the representation you need to have. And this is how you should pitch yourself. And I did that. And yeah, I guess it made me some cash or something, but I felt hollow. And the place I really wanted to live and the place I felt like I could best serve folks was when I was also in tandem and acknowledging yeah, I'm doing like when I, when I lead group coaches or group, group, uh, group programs, I am literally part of the program with them. I'm mm. doing the exact same thing they're doing. I am always working on a new project when I'm working one-on-one, I try to meet them in my own place while I'm serving them. It's just critical for me. And mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things that it doesn't, not that everybody needs to do that, but if it's a part of you and it's something that makes you feel alive, please don't negate like you're in process for an appearance of looking a certain Mm -hmm. way, like be you. And it's going to help you serve the folks that you're drawing in uh, Mm -hmm. in the best way possible when you're yourself. Mm, Yes. Big deep sigh, because I am (laughs) Megan, I am learning this every day. It's in a, it's funny because it's both sides. Like as a spiritual director, I am, according to my code of ethics, I am expected to be in spiritual direction. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think even for counselors, like it's very Mm -hmm. effective when counselors acknowledge and don't disclose in session, like all of that, but that they are in their own process and aware of their own process as they are helping folks 
in their own journeys. Right. Mm -hmm. But in my training as a spiritual director, so much of it was like, you remove yourself from the setting. Like you Mm -hmm. are just a kind of like a vector or whatever for the space. Like you are just creating access and dialogue. You are just a mirror. Right. And just in recent years, learning that that is not effective for my Mm -hmm. clients. That is not effective for the space that I hold. And that creates like a dehumanizing of me and like how I am allowed to show up in the space and that actually disclosing with intention or in my outside of sessions, disclosing more of my experience, sharing more of my experience in my own journey is the offering like, Mm -hmm. right. Is part of the offering that draws folks into their own healing journey because it is community. It is collaboration and that we are creating that healing together in that space that folks can access. So Mm -hmm. I am learning this. You could teach me a lot about this, I'm sure, but I would love to ask, I think getting more into, cause I know you do so many different things, but I would love to just drill into, at least I'm feeling a leading today. And you can tell me if this is a no-go just more into what you're learning about, Mm -hmm creativity, creation, being a creative person right now, like what are some, what are some of your findings either through watching other folks or what you're finding now? Cause I know, I know that you have just created another Instagram account for your drawings and that you are, you're having this kind of allowing yourself to create in ways that you maybe not have publicly created before. So tell me a little bit about what you're learning about yourself as a creator. Thank you for asking that. And I feel like a lot of tenderness in that question for little me. And I think the answer is like in that, that I always create for little Megan. <laughs> like I'm always creating for the parts of me that, that just always like, just had no idea like what she was making was good or bad or going to make her famous or going to, you know, like it didn't matter. I just Mm -hmm. had my dreams and I loved what I loved and so much of writing and so much of art and sketching and all this, this work is really, it really is spiritual and it is really about tending to, to my desire and to my longings. And so, yeah, I think it's, I mean, I've, I've always dabbled coming in and out of this work of giving myself more of a voice in my writing, giving myself more of a voice in my art, and then totally pulling back and playing the classic like shadow artist you know, experience. And then I return back and I describe it as like a prodigal returning, you know, back to the creative work. Mm. I'm back. I feel back. And yeah, I created this account because for a while now I've been doing a lot of like my morning pages have kind of just turned into the sketch sketchbook. That's like, I never know quite what it's going to be. It's uh, all about, you know, reflection at the end of the day, I always do at the end of the day and try to do one to three pages. And sometimes they're like comics, <laughs> like comic strips about like what, it, what I experience. or sometimes I write a bunch of memories and then I draw pictures based off it. And uh, sometimes I just free write. And it's, it's just beautiful. I use crayons and it's like, it's so messy and it looks like a a five-year-old did the sketchbook. And I love that. I love Mm -hmm. it so much. I could do like nice portraits and make them really pretty, but this is an art form. It's like this childlike art form that I, I came to, I did an artist residency, like, oh my God, I don't even know. It's probably like eight years ago or something. And when I did this residency, 
yeah, this art form started coming through me that was like this really young comic cartoon illustrative style. And I just felt like I was channeling myself, channeling this younger mm-hmm. version of me. And I even asked my mom the other day, I was like, hey, mom, like, if, you find, if you can find like old art, can you send it to me? And it's like so funny because it looks exactly like how I draw now, but in like, <laughs> because it's channeled, it's so crazy. Cool. Wow. So yeah, I guess my process, what I'm deeply learning about, about the process of creative work is, is that it's really about listening to my younger self. It's a work of, yeah, of meditation, of listening, mm-hmm. of healing the stories, all of them. And even mm-hmm. as I'm creating sometimes and I'm drawing and I'm sketching, I'll sit there and I'll just have a memory that just comes out of nowhere. Like, mm-hmm. and it's just like, wow. Like I remembered this thing the other day and I did a sketch of it because I was like, wow, this is so random how it dropped in. And it was a scene from when I was in second grade and uh, and I was sitting on the floor with a bunch of other little kids. And our teacher, second grade teacher, was reading us a book from like a kid's book. And all of a sudden, she her words started toppling over and her eyes started flickering and she had a, a seizure, I guess wow. a seizure or a stroke or something, but she fell yeah. on the ground and passed out and she was bleeding and stuff. Wow. You know, it's incredibly traumatic. I think about it now, Mm -hmm. but it just like hit me. It was completely out of nowhere. And so I drew this comic strip and wrote the story and, you know, it's just like little things like this, that it's not for anyone necessarily, Mm -hmm. although maybe it could be at some point, but it's really just to sit with myself and to go, Mm -hmm. is that enough? And, you know, I think that's a question that keeps rising up too in my memoir, in my, Mm -hmm. in this new work that I'm producing now is, is it enough? Am I enough? Mm -hmm. Is it enough? Am I enough? And I think the, the process is teaching me to, to just lean into that question Mm -hmm. uh, without the answer necessarily, but constantly just holding the space for, I struggle Mm -hmm. with this question and, Mm -hmm. and feeling through that. So yeah, the process is teaching me about being, uh, being with myself and loving myself and what is good, what is bad, who the fuck cares, right? Um, all of it. And uh, just, just letting myself be, it's very powerful. Wow. wow. And I love that that throws my brain back to in the beginning too, as far as the integration of selves and parts and, and allowing mm-hmm. all of these different pieces to be a piece of the work that you do and what you put out into the world also. And the word flow like comes in and how much that that has to be a piece. Like we are so conditioned against flow, like even within ourselves and you can see it even like, and I know that you mentioned this before, we will not go into it because we just, (laughs) I know that you and I could probably go off forever and you with, especially your background and your knowledge, but with parts and with Mm. IFS and, and all of that, as far as allowing that we have been so conditioned to the mono, the mono person mind or the mono Right. And mm-hmm. that that we do have all of these parts that we are navigating. And I think hearing you, what it has looked like to center that inner child in your process is incredibly inspiring to me. And I think mm-hmm. I'm on a journey that's probably like maybe te- like maybe five, 10 steps behind you in that. I mean, mm-hmm. I have my picture of my little self on, on my desk. Right. And I'm constantly asking in the work that I put out into the world, if it's honoring to her mm-hmm. and if she's pleased, if she's proud. Right. Awesome. And I know so it's so beautiful. So good. Yes. It's so Everyone tender. It's so beautiful. Right? Go do this now. <laughs> Go find your picture Please. of your baby self and put it on there. And 
like, and, and I'm in that process in my business and then watching it come up in my art a little bit more as well, as I'm able to access it through trauma informed Mm -hmm. therapy and spiritual direction and all of these things. Right. But that I resonate with that question of enoughness so deeply. Mm -hmm. And that's something my business coach and I work on every single week. And to the point of, I love how you said that you're embracing it and just knowing that that's like there that's in my business. I just have to know like anytime I, and I know that you are running a business also, so it comes up in your business too, but it's always going to come up. It's always going to be there because of my own experiences. Mm -hmm. And that that also doesn't mean that we have to find, we're not looking for the answer. We're being with myself and the little me that asks that, or the part that asks that Mm -hmm. and allowing ourselves to collaborate, create whatever we can access within it as well too. So like, I just have, my mind has been going rampant on trying to embrace, like I'm trying to make a bunch of work around my childhood bedroom right now, just because that's a piece of like, that I can access and is like deeply healing for Mm -hmm. me and allowing that to just be okay. We're just going to make, and to, to even do a new, a new, medium for, you know, like to explore yes. a new medium, to work through it so that it's not attached to all of those voices of like, you're a photographer, you do this, yeah. this is your language, this is your process, right? Because it is to be able to get away from that. What is this work for? Who's going to be looking at it? Who am I selling it to? Like art school really kind of screwed my brain on some yeah. of those things and trying yeah. to get away from that and just making for me again, which I hear that you are just deeply, deeply entrenched in. (laughs) You know, it's so funny. I love that you brought this up. I was listening to a podcast recently and I actually don't know what it, what it was, but I know it was Mark Nepo talking and who's an incredible writer and teacher, uh, spiritual guide and poet. But he said that something that really landed with me, which was, I'm totally butchering the quote, but something like, you know, we should live our life as a verb rather than a noun. So rather than I am a writer, I am writing instead of I am an artist, I am creating, right? I, instead of I am a photographer, I am capturing images, right? Like, but Mm. this active, like participation rather Mm. than this noun of like, I am this, Mm. right? And that so often stalls us out, uh, because we get, get, um, stuck with the, um, I don't know, the, the lack of movement, the mm. lack of fluidity and the, the verbness, right. Mm. Of, of mm-hmm. how we're always becoming something. I'm yes. not just, I'm not an artist. I'm not a writer. I am always evolving into, and I'm probably going to be something else. Mm-hmm. Like, can we embrace the, the ever becoming this <laughs> that we are right. Yes. We're made of water, man. Like what is yes. it like 75% or mm-hmm. more water, like, why don't we embrace the fluality of our becoming all the time? Yes. You know? It's, yes. Ugh. And I was talking to somebody the other day too, that like, we literally, our body, like literally entirely regenerates like every seven years or something like that too. Yes. Like there's literally nothing stagnant yes. Yes. <laughs> in our lives. And so why would we have any sort of ex- expectation of yes. arrival, finish yes. line, like any of that, right? <laughs> I'm so tired of that language and just getting back to the religious piece too there, but even just outside the religious piece, hustle culture, coaching Mm -hmm. culture, all these things, it is like, 
hey, when you get to this monthly income, when you get to mm-hmm. this, uh, you know, salvation place or whatever, or mm-hmm. all the, you know, or if you finish this book, like you will become da da da. You get this publishing age. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's all these places of if you arrive there, then you have made it, right? Mm-hmm. And I just I don't believe in it. I really mm-hmm. don't. I believe we're constantly in a state of mm-hmm. of uncovering. Uh, mm-hmm. And in the moment we stop embracing that in evolution, we stop growing, mm-hmm. right? So absolutely. Oh. Yes. And I don't believe in it. (laughs) Yes. I don't believe in it either. And that's a huge thing, like in my membership and in sessions with me too, as far as like reorienting, like what is your spiritual journey model? Because so many of us were given this linear model of being that Mm -hmm. we arrive somewhere and the disappointment of never arriving causes a lot of depression and depressed feelings and kind of interiorly like depressing ourselves and our dreams and like all of that. Right. And so it's just, it's so, 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 so important. Yes. yes. Megan, I want to honor your time in your space today. Do you have anything else that you wanted to share with us that we missed today? I mean, there's so much to share, right? I know. We could do like 20 million episodes. (laughs) Yeah. I have a million things I want to talk to you about. I would just say in terms of support, like, you know, if anyone's listening and they're really curious about writing or you know, uncovering their creative voice, then I would check out my uh, writing prompts and creative prompts substack page because I offer weekly prompts there. It's a really great way to get started and you get to get to know my voice. And then I offer book coaching and editing too. So there's a lot of ways that people can get support with me if they, if they feel the draw, especially if they're looking for someone that has a background of, of uh, creative care, you know, and, um, and trauma-informed wisdom around the space of like writing story. So yeah, that's so all I'd say is um, it's been nice to be here. It's been nice to sit with you mm-hmm. and, and connect. I feel inspired. Oh my gosh. I'm so thrilled. I feel connected. I feel inspired mm-hmm. as well. I just have that warm goodness feeling. Mm-hmm. So I'm so grateful. And I can say too, I receive your Substack, your prompts. And Yay. I would say also for folks, it's not, they're not like these, like you can take them wherever you want to go. Like they're not these deep digging, like, because our conversation today could set up someone to believe that (laughs) it's all very deep and very intense. And it's not, you can, (laughs) you can take it in that direction. And also that it's, it can just get you going also. So, um, absolutely recommend that. I also personally have walked through a human design reading with Megan. And so Mm -hmm. I can vouch for that and say that I particularly was just, I have a ton of tools. I'm a very tooled up person as far as like my wellness and well-being goes. And I knew that I needed just some affirmation and validation of who I am and how I am Mm. and that that is valid and that I can orient my entire life and being and my rhythms and all of that around how and who I am. And so if you're interested in any of those things or that you may get that sort of validation and affirmation, you can Mm. definitely do a human design reading with Megan. And then do you want to just shout out, they will be in the show notes, but where can people find you on socials or website? Totally. I mean, I have like a number of platforms, but you're like, just, which one? Which one? We'll right? put the list in. <laughs> oh my gosh, y'all. Just go check out all the things and then like hang out at the one you like the most. Yes. Now, Megan February is my most uh populated one for my my own work. Uh it's on Instagram. That's where I am mostly these days. I tried TikTok for a hot minute and was like overwhelmed. So no. I cannot. I can't do it. I love you guys, but no. Mm-mm. So yeah, uh, Megan February, it's F-E-B-U-A-R-Y is how I spell my name. 
but yeah, you can find the like cute little art thing I do too. It's called I am feeling sketchy. <laughs> Get it? It's like it's, I'm a punter. It's so calling good. off uh, feeling and sketchy. And then yeah, <laughs> you know, yourbookyear.com is where you can find out all of my editing and book coaching. Mm-hmm. So yourbookyear.com. So all the places you can find it. And then human design is in the links as well. So I love doing that. It's very validating. I actually am doing a reading tomorrow for someone and it's just so helpful. It's such, so beautiful. such a validating tool, so resourceful uh, for next steps, clarity. And it's something that you continue to return back to. I have people mm-hmm. that do it over and over. They come, they'll like reach out to me like years later and be like, oh, Megan, I was feeling like I didn't know what I wanted to do or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I ran back to that and it was just, it, yeah, it's just powerful. So. Oh. Yes, I can see how it would be like that. Megan, thank you so much for being here today. And thank you so much for being in contact with me and in this collaboration of friendship and being creatives in the world and all of that. I just so appreciate your voice and the work that you're doing in the world for yourself and for others. So thank you. Back, same, same girl, same. <laughs> Back at you. Karen Hibner. I'm a spiritual director and podcast producer. I help women and folks of other oppressed identities heal from internalized depression and trauma and go public with their wild and wonderful contribution to this world so that we can all heal together. Ready to work with me? You can join my program Heal right now. The program is made up of an online course of all the tools and schema I use in spiritual direction sessions to empower you to access the most liberation for yourself right now. In addition to that, with the program registration, you get access to weekly group direction calls and an online portal to connect with others on the journey. I also include access to a massive resource list and library with all types of bonus content and everything I've ever read or consumed on my journey of healing. I also offer one-on-one spiritual direction packages for one-hour sessions every other week for six months. The support for your spiritual journey that you receive from spiritual direction is unprecedented. It's a space where you can be 100% honest and 100% you while you process through what beliefs you were given, what you actually believe right now, and how to get your functional life more in alignment with current beliefs than past beliefs. Oh, it's so good. If you're feeling like it's time to go public through podcast production, We can't wait to take your podcast to the next level and get you producing content consistently for your audience and therefore changing the world. Use the links in the show notes to jump on my email list right now and get all the free value I can possibly give in emails and schedule your discovery call with me today so we can wonder together at how you're feeling invited to heal or go public. Be well.